Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. My guest today is Jody Lowinger, the founder of MindStrength. Jody is a clinical and corporate psychologist, business coach, and speaker on topics of mental strength and anxiety. Jody and her company, MindStrength, work with organizations to develop mental strength, agility, and resilience to enable peak performance in leaders and teams. Alongside Jody's impressive corporate expertise, she's also the founder of Sydney Anxiety Clinic, which helps adults, adolescents, and children to help reduce anxiety whilst building resilience. I'm fascinated by the power of the mind in relation to business and our personal lives, and ultimately the role mental strength and resilience play towards designing one's lives. So welcome to the podcast, Jody. Hi, Vince. Really nice to be here. Thank you. What was a turning point in your life? So the turning point was when my father passed away. He had pancreatic cancer and we were really close. And I suppose through that difficult time, it allowed me to reflect on what is really deeply important to me and what do I want to do in life. So it was a very powerful thing where really out of bad came uh, the opportunity to embrace life and and live in the moment, embrace things mindfully. And I understood talking to you previously, you talked about the fact that you studied or you were very much interested in design originally and you thought that might be a kind of a career that you were going to follow. Yeah, I started with uh, doing a Bachelor of Design in Visual Communications. I really loved doing art through high school. I did three-unit art and ended up topping the state and getting into Art Express and all of this fabulous stuff at the time and working uh, in in George Patterson advertising at the time, just sort of very preliminary stuff. But then it was really more art that was my calling rather than design. And I just found that I had this deep desire to help others. And uh, so that's when I decided to change across to psychology. And what was your first role that you took on that? Well, I did psychology and ended up uh, doing uh, quite well in my, my course. I ended up getting the university medal. And uh, and as a result of that, even though I engaged in that course with the intention of going into the clinical space, I got offered a really fantastic job within the corporate space at PwC in management consulting. So as a new grad and uh and went into management consulting and change management and looking at the people side of business and ended up actually really loving and working there for quite a while and uh, ended up doing a lot of work with leadership development and uh, imp- and how to, I suppose, design organisations to be the best that they could be on the people side of business. I moved from PwC into an internal uh strategy role for Macquarie Bank after that and another area that I really loved working in in that corporate space. Well, you're certainly a high achiever. (laughs) It was fantastic. It was really good fun. But it wasn't necessarily something that felt complete. I really, you know, this concept of design your life was very, very powerful uh, along the way for me. 
and I just didn't want to get swept up in the tsunami of life. I really wanted to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and and design my life. And I think, as I mentioned, the pivotal time was when my father passed away and I, I sort of thought, you know what, I could very easily continue down this corporate path, but my calling was very much also in the clinical domain. So I ended up doing the Doctor of Clinical Psychology and uh, finding quite a passion for helping people with anxiety. And so in the realm of taking control of my life, I really wanted to set up um, a, a, a brand that where I could really help people in a powerful way in anxiety. So that's when I set up uh, the Sydney Anxiety Clinic. And But I didn't want to let go of the corporate work because I absolutely loved that as well. So I've got two brands, uh, which is Sydney Anxiety Clinic and Mind Strength. So that is really about designing my life in order to be able to have a space to impact uh, in both realms. That's interesting. You you got... You didn't to decide either or, you, you chose both. I chose both. How, how do I don't do things that? in half measures. Yeah, you, that's incredible. <laughs> how, how do you manage that? Uh, it's a labour of love very much on both fronts. I work extremely long hours, um, but it's kind of one of these things where it allows me to have flexibility to leverage, uh, you know, my uh, to to be proactive uh, and to, I suppose, be very flexible in the corporate work that I do. Uh, and I've also got a number of uh, clinical psychologists that work at the Sydney Anxiety Clinic uh, that work alongside me. So we really do have the capacity to help people um, in that clinical space, but really through mind strength, it is an avenue where I have designed uh, an opportunity to have a bit more of a broader voice, both in doing some corporate obviously doing the corporate work where I work in organisations um, predominantly in peak performance. So I work, the majority of the work that I do is um, working with CEOs and executives, uh, senior executives, and but I also work in education. And so it's about really finding a space to help as many people as possible. But in answer to your original question, the fact that it's a labour of love enables me to be buoyant um, sometimes into the wee hours of the morning. Wow. Burning you, the candle you, in many directions, which is not what I would tell my clients to do. <laughs> <laughs> You're also a, a mum too. You've got three teenage um, kids. Yeah. Um, so that obviously, do they understand your career? They do. They're very, they... they They've been analysed all the time? <laughs> no, you can't wear that hat as a mum. You, you, uh, it's a very different space as a, as a mum. But yes, I have three children and I was actually very uh, pleased that my, my eldest son has actually just put, uh, done some work in as a mental health ambassador to try and, uh, in a sort of charity context, to try and raise money for, um, for some mental health charities, which I was really proud of him in doing that. It's interesting you, you touched on the mental health and I kind of, I think that it's in, we're in an interesting time when we, organisations and individuals are very much focusing on mindfulness yes. and mental health. Quite a few design companies, a lot of com people in the industry are talking about how do we bring mental health programs into design studios. Mm. And I guess when I reached out to you, I was like, how, how can I find a better way of doing this? How can 
can I understand my monkey mind that I have and how mm. do I, I guess in a way, to be honest, is kind of understanding what is normal, what's not normal, mm. what is, you know, as much as you kind of learn at school and, you know, through your family and through education, et cetera, you still feel like, I, I certainly still feel like I'm still learning mm. and I still feel like I've got a lot to learn. And so it's it's always amazing to meet someone like you who in instantly you feel like comfortable with and, and you have, you understand how, how minds work. Thank you. Yeah. I suppose in, in our interaction, Vince, it's kind of been evident and, and uh, you know, some of the key messages that I deliver um, at a broader scale is very much about this double-edged sort of anxiety and uh, this uh, depth of thinking and depth of feeling, which is so powerful and very much in the creative space and in the work that you do uh, that has led you to experience the success that you've experienced and being able to deliver to the degree of quality that you deliver is really this, as you say, this monkey mind, but it's about understanding that these are these are profound strengths in human beings. And so the work that I do with individuals is about helping to embrace those strengths and recognise the power behind that and uh, be values-driven in that space, whether it's in the corporate world or in the individual or in the clinical space. It's about how to recognise what are your drivers for um, for life and in the realm of designing your life as well, but at the same time standing up to some of the challenges that can go along with this. So I'm very much about helping people to recognise that anxiety is not a weakness, but anxiety is a strength. Also that anxiety is part of our common humanity. It is really, uh, it, it taps into sort of some of our primitive uh defaults really as as human beings as animals it's that's what drives us and there's so much that can be done to help people in this space I know starting out as a designer a long time ago, if, if a client didn't like it, I certainly was upset. I, I, I felt like personally it affected me in a bad way. Um, equally, if people applaud you for what you do, it boosts your energy and boosts your um, your focus and, and your confidence. Trump was being interviewed, who I don't like, um, and he was saying he doesn't exercise because he believes there's only so much energy your body has, you're born with, and he doesn't want to use it use it up. <laughs> And it's a bit like design. You're thinking of ideas, and yes. you know we we work on back-to-back projects. Is it that that energy you put into solving a problem? Are you using up your 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 body's resources? Are you gonna, you know, shorten your your career or your life expectancy as as a result of that? Probably not. But, <laughs> well, you know what? We it, it depends on what we're being driven by. We want to be driven by by values, you know. And we talk about there's this concept of you stress versus distress. You stress being actually positive stress and being um, something that propels you and, as you said, energises you. And, um, you know, so it does, it it comes down to, first of all, what is driving your behaviour. So are you being driven by fear, in which case you're going to, you're going to engage in unhelpful strategies and you're going to burn up energy unnecessarily on second guessing yourself or seeking too much reassurance or checking and rechecking and rechecking your work a million times over or um, trying to be perfect when there is no perfect. Um, so that's kind of what 
perhaps absorbs unnecessary energy. But if you can be driven by your values and, you know, whether it's corporate values um, or whether it's your personal values, so your, your, your gut feel, let's say, or your heart rather than this, you know, analysis paralysis that can go on in our head, then we're going to be buoyant and we're going to be energized in a positive way. And this is when we really get into these states of peak performance. We're being driven by corporate values and and we're going to be focused on our goals rather than being focused on our threat. I can totally relate to that. I, th- I used to think that every single project I experienced, I would be incredibly excited about the opportunity and that that excitement would quite quickly turn to fear and yes. <laughs> desperation. Yes. And I'd be watching the clock tick thinking, shit, I'm going to present in a week's time. And I'd be in this terrible state of panic through uh, really focusing on what is the, the best solution for this mm. project and not giving up until I found that. And it's almost like every every single time for a number of years, I would have to go through that whole process, every single project, mm. which is not healthy, but it, you know, it's in a way, it's a negative energy I was creating, mm. trying to create a positive solution. Some people believe that worry is actually a helpful thing, but the work that I do with people is we unravel that very quickly and we recognize that worry is quite a futile exercise and we sort of look at practical alternatives to worry, you know, not very simple, straightforward stuff such as problem solving and action planning and being solution focused rather than the what if I do this wrong or what if I do that wrong. Sounds like that there was a lot of solution focus there for you though. I'm I'm sure I'm not uncommon there with that kind of obsessive mind of, of, it's not necessarily worry, Mm. It's just more around when when do you stop? When mm. do you stop with that? And you go accept something that this is enough mm. on that. Move on to the next problem, next next issue, next worry, or be happy and or be kind of um, less less pressure on yourself. If there's a fear of not of not being perfect and that's sort of something that keeps us quite stuck, we might actually experiment with making a mistake on purpose or leaning into that space of imperfection because what worry and what worry leads us to believe it's this big nasty bully that says bad things are really likely to happen and the outcome will be a catastrophe and you just won't be good enough and when we you, you won't be able to cope so but when we actually lean into this space of um, you know grow either purposefully doing something like like this, stuffing up on purpose, or um, it can be exceptionally liberating. Now, of course, these are measured experiences that we might do this. You don't certainly don't want to be doing this sort of stuff with clients. Uh, but it is about recognizing, you know, there's a lot to be said for growth mindset stuff and talking about um, focusing on, in on effort and putting in an effort, but also um, taking that step out of your comfort zone of, around fear of making a mistake. Because when we fear making a mistake, uh, we stay in a really safe space. We stay in our comfort zone. We don't take risks and then we limit our potential. So by creating a little bit more ease around making mistakes uh, is is incredibly liberating for creativity. And is it something that people naturally 
uh, adjust to? Did, did they shift their mind to be able to cope in a new way of working or does it take a bit of time? Uh, it's something where the, you know, they have a, a very clear light bulb moment and that says, aha, this stuff really makes sense. It's not warm and fuzzy. It's uh, It taps into our core biology as, um, you know, basically primitive mammals that we are. Um, it, you know, it's something that people understand. But the early part of the work that is incredibly important is awareness. And it's about awareness of unhelpful coping strategies that get in the way of being able to perform at our most productive. Um, and it's about awareness of what those things are. What are we avoiding? Why are we avoiding it? What's getting in the way of taking chances or or speaking with our client or or actually leaning into conflict for example rather than avoiding conflict having the having the discussions with key stakeholders that we need to have rather than shying away from them. So these sorts of things, it's about understanding where our limitations lie and how to stand up to those and not be bossed around by those fear-driven behaviours. Designing a life isn't about certainty, it's about incremental change for the better. And I... Like that quote? Yeah, I really like that quote don't, too. Don't think you have to do it today. You don't have to fix your life today. You don't have mm. to fix it by the end of the week or the by the end of the month mm. or New Year's Eve comes along and I'm going to do all these great things and sort things out. Uh, one thing that I learned was around sitting down and kind of work on some kind of plan around a three-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, mm. just to kind of put together, kind of sketch out ideas of what your future might look like. Mm. It doesn't mean you have to do it, but mm. just the idea of that you are thinking ahead as opposed to letting life just happen to you. Yeah, totally. Do you think there's value in that? Oh, there's huge value in that, absolutely. To have some clear-cut goals and 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 sense of direction, but to not be um, handcuffed to it, I suppose. I think for me, it's like understanding what your options might be. And in in designing your life and recognising options, uh, to really seek out the help that you need if you're experiencing a mental health challenge, uh, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's um, an, an eating disorder or a, um, addictive behaviour or whatever it might be, uh, to know that there are so many really effective strategies and you can feel confident in the capacity to uh, get the help that you need. It's just making that step. It's making that step to recognise that anxiety is very much, as we talked about earlier, part of being human. And these sorts of things are things to, to sort of take that stigma away and to let go of that and seek the help that you need. I remember as a kid growing up in Canada, the stores were shut on Sundays, mm. you know, or stores during the week shut at five or whatever it was. Yes. You know, now this is 24-7. Yeah. I mean, everything is open 24-7. The internet's 24-7. There's no beginning and end. Yes. It's just continuous. It's connection but disconnection at the same time. And that's the challenge of it. And it taps into our need for those dopamine hits, those quick fixes, so to speak, um, but it's actually 
false in terms of what we truly need. So it, we need to create space to replace unhelpful and unhealthy with, with helpful and healthy. I noticed in the news recently there's been um, some very famous celebrities who are taking their own lives through yes. for various reasons, and it seems to be that suicide is on the rise. Yeah. Uh, and which they're, they're relating back to obviously mental health, but also um, the pressures in, we have on, in society. And it comes back to the fight or flight and being hijacked by our amygdala. If we think about the flight being avoidance, avoidance of emotional pain or the perception that um, feelings are a weakness and so we need to shut down those feelings. Um, So we avoid in many ways. We don't just not go to something but we avoid through drugs and alcohol. We avoid by this epidemic of cutting and self-harm behaviours within our predominantly our adolescent generation um, is all attempts to shut down challenging emotion rather than engage in strategies to um, deal with those challenging emotions, mental strength and resilience. Mm. And the ultimate form of avoidance is suicide. So Mm. this is also one of those unhelpful coping strategies at the extreme end of the spectrum. And you said to me that anxiety isn't a weakness. And I think that's really interesting perspective. Um, it changes everything for me when you say that some of like that because um, you naturally feel that there's something wrong with you because you feel anxious or that that um, you, you as a person aren't adjusting to a situation what looks like others are coping with quite well. I work with phenomenal human beings over and over and over and over again and these people experience anxiety and anxiety at the, you know, the tough end of the spectrum sometimes. But it does breed this depth of empathy and this deep sense of feeling and deep sense of thinking and the capacity to observe the world at a deeper level. But obviously people can listen to this around around the world, which is really cool. Um, but how would you go about finding someone like you? Or can, can you sort a lot of problems out yourself? I mean, how, how uh, What would be the best way to seek help? There's an enormous amount of information on the internet that is accessible to everybody. And there's some brilliant information on the internet uh, to be able to source the answers. It's important at the same time to uh, make sure that you're seeking evidence-based strategies, so scientifically supported strategies that uh, have got demonstrated and proven efficacy um, because sometimes we turn to Dr. Google and when we turn to Dr. Google, it can lead to analysis paralysis and we don't find the answers that we want to find. We end up Uh, it has this horrendous snowball effect. So you do need to tread a little bit carefully in that technology space when you're trying to find the answers in in those sorts of um, avenues. So do you believe it's possible to design your life? A hundred percent. It's the essence of the work that I do with people. Um, I talk about uh, one of my influences was a man uh, by the name of Viktor Frankl. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning and it's and he talked all about uh, the power to take control and the power to be 
to, to create space to choose what drives your response in a particular situation. And it's about not getting swept up in those fear-driven responses, but stopping to create space to choose what is driving your response. Are you being driven by fear? Are you being driven by um, anger and aggression? Or are you being driven by um, what is deeply important to you as a human being, your values, your purpose, your what gives you a sense of meaning and fulfillment? And it's those things, whether it's in a corporate context, so looking at um, organizational values and strategic imperatives to being driven by those those elements to get your goals met uh, from a corporate perspective or at a personal level. It's about thinking about what is deeply important to you as a human being and ensuring that you stop to create space to, to choose that and to troubleshoot and problem solve around some of the challenges that go along in life. If there's roadblocks and obstacles that are getting in the way of that, to get out of that worry and fear-driven mindset and embrace problem solving and practical strategies to help. Yeah, I, I wrote in the book, there was a, the opening chapter, uh, it's a tingle. Um, and it's, for me, it was around, you know, finding something that, that tingled inside of you, whether yeah. it's a, a person you're with or met or whether it's an idea, whether it's a, a country, it's the beginning of a feeling. It's, yeah. it's kind of a sign. Yes. Um, but if you haven't got that sign, mm. like that's how do you get to it? If you just feel like, you know, I feel nothing. Because I've met mm. people before who go, it's okay for you. You got great work. You get a great business. You live in a great country. Mm. Um, they have Sometimes they haven't found the thing that makes them tingle. Mm. How would you help them to get to that point? I mean, we haven't talked about depression, I suppose. No, and uh, and sometimes I would want to make sure that depression isn't at play there because depression is, is this nasty um, bully that can take hold of people's lives and and takes their tingle away, so to speak, uh, and and closes their world in and takes that buoyancy out of it and sort of a sense of hopelessness. So I would certainly want to um, assess for depression to make sure that there isn't that element in the mix. And, and then it's about... Um, it's about Socratic questions. So it's about not delivering the answers, but it's about trying to draw out that self-reflection and helping guide a person towards what might give them a sense of interest and excitement. It comes back down to what the individual's goals are, really. And I, I know for some people it's, um, they can go their whole life without really feeling that they've discovered the thing that was they're meant to have done or mm. you know I know people who have kind of who backed away from making any kind of decision in their life because they they fear of making the wrong decision mm. so how how would you make steps towards you know feeling more confident around uh, the idea of even uh, moving to a what was perceived as a more uncomfortable place the first step is looking at what are those specific fears um, you know it's Perhaps that fear of making a wrong decision, which leads to not um, taking that step out of your comfort zone. So I would want to get a sense of what some of their perceived threats are and then what are they avoiding because of that fear and what are they uh, 
What are their safety behaviours? It took me a long time to trust my gut feeling, trust my instincts. Mm. How do you shift towards really, because I think that's the small voice within us is, is basically guiding us through life. Mm. And we quite often avoid that. We quite often don't listen to it or mm. maybe not even aware of it sometimes. Completely, completely. So there's that word awareness again. It's about creating that awareness and looking at what that voice in your head is saying, that sometimes it's a really loud, critical voice that says that you're not going to be good enough or you're going to stuff up. Um, what is, and, and then standing up to that critical voice and not buying into it and saying, screw you, critical voice. <laughs> I don't need to listen to you. But it's not easy. You know, it's easy to say. It's, it's challenging to do, but it is doable. Changing your relationship with your thoughts is what it's all about. Well, I think we'll end on that. And I just want to thank you, um, Jodie, for um, a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Vince. It's been really fun. Cool. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. <laughs>